my joy is her joy, is his joy, and our joy to share. Hello, and welcome to Woo Woo in the Real World. I'm so excited that we're back. Back. Yes, deep in season three, and it is so good. Yes, and super juicy um, because we've launched into this magical universal eight year in terms of numerology and energy. And today we are talking to an astrological expert, um, Demetra. I'm not even going to attempt to say your last name. Good for you. Don't bother. I love your first name so much. And the whole thing together sounds like a song, but (laughs) I'm going to let you tell the good people how to say your name, and then we will dive into your background a little bit. But just, yeah, just introduce yourself to our audience, and then we'll we'll dive in. All right. Greetings, everyone. Blessings to all. My name is Dimitra Vasiliadis, which kind of rhymes with the silly artist. <laughs> good way to remember. Oh, that's a good way. Okay. It's a long Greek name, and my company is heaventoearthastrology.com if you want to find me. And I'm a spiritual astrologer. I mean, very practical, but astrology is really a beautiful navigational tool that brings the woo-woo to earth in very practical terms for the purposes of this uh, beautiful show. So that's who I am. And I can say more, but why don't why don't I hand yeah. it back to you, Tambra? Yeah. So um, it's just so amazing, um, just heaven to earth astrology and as you said, bringing that woo-woo down to practical terms, which is what Becky and I are all about. But I feel Mm -hmm. like this conversation today, I already know, is going to help us drill down even further, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, I I met you just like through mutual people and it's like, you know, that whole frequency vibe thing, you know, and um, we haven't even met in person yet. I know. And you look different today than the last time I Do saw I? you. My hair is yeah. flatter today, I think. <laughs> You're glowing even more. But Ooh, yes, and this whole idea of frequency is a theme that is about to become increasingly important. Uh, we were just saying before the call that there's this amazing astrological aspect that's about to happen. But before I get into that, one thing mm-hmm. I would like to say is that astrology invites us into this world of sacredness. It can steer us back to sacredness and sanity. And one of the basic concepts of astrology is this is not a random universe. We are not random fragments. We are here by divine design. The same force that created, you said it's an eight year. If you look up the word analima, there, this is the path the sun takes every year that, that creates a beautiful figure eight in the heavens. This is so magical. It's so extraordinary that the heavens have these perfect dance steps. And to the point of this call, each of us is a living embodiment of the heavens. Each of our chakras is aligned with one of the seven visible holy planets. So one of the most beautiful woo-woo things about astrology is it says you are not a random fragment you were sent here by the nothing less than the force that flung the milky way into existence you're here on a sacred mission that only you can accomplish and in your presence or your absence you are irreplaceable 
to the great symphony of life. So that is why I love astrology, because it dispels all of the, I don't even know what to call it, the, the statistics and this <laughs> deadening, what we're subjected to every day that tells us that there is no magic. And, you know, it's to me, that's, that's the woo-woo. It's so completely inconceivable when you see the analima or the perfection of the sunrise or the sunset, or even looking at you and gazing at a human being, you see heaven's magic embodied in a person. So there is going to be this big, beautiful aspect tomorrow, but I'm going to hand it back to you because I just said a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. And what a beautiful mouthful that was, right? Yes. I mean, because I feel, you know, we are all feeling it, right? The chaos of the world and sort of, you know, at times feel spinning out of control and that there is so much darkness, right? But what I'm going to love about this conversation, just by the way you kicked it off is, you know, that it's not random and that, mm -hmm. you know, these miracles and who we are and this sacred mission and divine design, like, I love all that. And like, yeah. what a great reminder, because we, we just don't always have it sort of like front and center in our lives as we're just going around, you know, being busy people, right? Yeah. Um, Becky, I know you want to dive in. So maybe you I know I'm dying to like jump in here <laughs> because I, I loved that kickoff so much. I loved everything you said. And um, astrology was a really big part of my, um, kind of spiritual awakening. And it surprised me because I never anticipated kind of being into anything that was that woo woo, mm. but it turned out to be one of the most practical pieces, um, on my journey that was so informative for everything you just said. It, it didn't, people asked me, you know, like, well, I mean, did it tell you the future? And I was like, not at all. It, it gave me permission to be exactly who I was with exactly the talents that I have. And it gave me the confidence that those talents were important and that they were needed and that I had a purpose to bringing them into this world. And so I, I just, astrology to me is hugely important. I consult with an astrologer about once every year, once every year and a half, just to kind of get a forecast of the energy that I'm working with. Um, yeah. so that I can try to step into a better flow. But I just love it so much. Um, I, I think that it is so practical and helpful. And I especially loved how you said how we're all here to embody. We're all here to embody this. And that's really what this show is about. We're talking this season a lot about how people are embodying their soul's calling when they are coaxing their soul into embodied action. Um, and so and what that process could look like, right? Right. And what yeah. that process could look like. And so that might be a great place to start with you for us to understand a little more about your story and about how you really came to this, what appears to be such a and fully embodied experience yeah. of, of being an astrologer. Could you give us a little bit of your journey and, and help us understand how you landed there? Sure. Uh, I don't know if you ever read The Soul's Code by James Hillman, but he posits something called acorn theory, which is very consistent with astrology theory that you can see from childhood almost real clues. Like he points out Winston Churchill would give speeches. So did Lincoln. He would give moral speeches like he saw kids torturing a, a a turtle putting hot coals in his back. Not only did he stop them, but he composed a, um, you know, a paper on why it was morally wrong to do so. And this sort of opened up what his whole calling would be. 
in this book, he said Madonna would set up her stuffed animals and give them a concert. So germane to that, in my childhood, I was thinking about this. I went to Greek school. I'm half Greek, half Irish. And my favorite book was Greek mythology. I was transfixed. I didn't know that that was the primer for being an astrologer, that the Greek myths and the Greek gods became the Roman gods, became the planets. Some of my earliest memory, my first was my sister had a little jumper with the constellations and I was with my godmother and I said to her, Tinafta, what are those? And she began to explain the constellations to me, a very devout Christian woman who could also read the coffee cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Greek tradition, you swirl the coffee, turn it over and she would read what's going on. She was very accurate, but incredibly devout, charitable woman. Then my next memory was the Second Avenue bus in Manhattan, taking me home from 74th Street to 21st. African-American bus driver named Leo, I'm a Leo. And I would sit in the front and tell him about the Greek myths. And he just got such a kick out of me, but I was so excited to tell him about, you know, Apollo and Phaethon and Helios. And, you know, then I went to RISD, But before that, my room was plastered with astrology. One of my biggest purpose um, purchases was a sigil ring. Like when I look back, Mm. I was drawn, drawn Mm. repeatedly. Then I finally got very serious. When I went to RISD, I was working in a vintage clothing store and the owner was obsessed with astrology. And so was I. And she said, you have to go get a reading with this astrologer in town, a famous astrologer now named Caroline Casey, who wrote Making the Gods Work for You. And I had a reading with her and it was life altering. And I just I was going through a Uranus moon, uh, moon uh, opposition, the, the awakening of the moon. And I just I said, stop the presses. This is what I have to know everything about. And I just became an, I'm self-taught as much as anyone can really say that because you're reading people, you're attending lectures, you're, mm-hmm. you're always standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, whether mm-hmm. you're reading their work, attending their lecture, but, and then I was just so obsessed. People began asking me at the age of 18, I'm 60 now to start reading their charts. And that became a hobby that became a job that became a business then i also began to love lecturing about astrology and entertaining i would like to spiritually entertain people because i feel our entertainment has gone so far downhill that we need elevation and what's more elevating than the stars the heavens and how you embody these magical yeah. archetypes So that's sort of my story in a nutshell. I don't know if I answered it or not. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, we've, um, in these conversations during this uh, current season of our um, podcast, we've actually really made a very uh, focused intention on asking our guests to paint the picture of um, what you were like as a child, right? And you didn't need any prompting with that. I right. mean, you, you went right there, which is amazing, right? Because the common thread that we're seeing is, you know, in these times as, you know, being an adult of 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years old, whoever, you know, the age of whoever is listening, right? Um, sometimes, you know, we go through life's journey and we're like, we started here and now we're over here, but I don't know where I want to be and I don't know who mm-hmm. I am. And, 
And a lot of this has really become front and center. We're noticing in these conversations, not only in our own lives, but through this podcast and the other work that we're all doing, that coming through the pandemic, people were really kind of forced to do some soul searching, right? I mean, everybody's, you know, doing things differently and being more isolated and spending more time with themselves, right? And um, it's like, you know, what, what else is there? What else am I meant mm -hmm, to do, mm -hmm. right? And it's that process. But if you go back to Demetra as a child, Becky as a child, Tambra as a child, um, it gets a little easier to kind of think about what drives us or what brings us joy or, you know, quite frankly, what we were meant to do. It was kind of like, it's one of those things that's hiding in plain sight all along, yeah. right? And it yeah. just kind of depends on what your experiences have been and who nurtured you or who knocked you down and how that affected you, right? Yeah. But to, excuse me, but to your point, it's just getting back to basics and astrology can really be a roadmap, right? I love that whole, and maybe you'll just take us through, you know, how you work with people. But for those that are listening who are like, what does that mean? Like I read my horoscope. Is that what your guys are talking about? But that's actually <laughs> not what we're no. talking about. So <clears throat> I think, you know, just to kind of set the playing field for people, maybe just, you know, talk to us about how you work with folks and, and what a birth chart is. And again, it's just like going back to that time that a person was born and they entered into the world and what was happening in the cosmos and how is that affecting everybody now, right? In terms of their life journey. I would love to, that's a beautiful question. So before I talk about how um, I work with people, what you said made me think of Joseph Campbell. Like one quick thing people can do is contemplate your bliss. Like he says, mm -hmm. follow your bliss and invisible hands will help you and doors will appear where there's a brick wall for someone else. But it can be tricky to get at our bliss because yes. there's massive advertising apparatus here to almost um, reroute you to a defined definition of what happiness is, what beauty is, what love is. So as you said, getting quiet and listening for the still small voice, you might not even remember what your bliss is. Having said that, a birth chart is a beautiful map. It's a map that describes you, your talents, your abilities, to some degree, the hardware and software you're given to accomplish your sacred mission. And fear not, if you have not accomplished your mission on the hero's journey, you may be in the dragon's den right now, which is a very important phase of the hero or heroine development where you're grappling with the shadow or grappling with uh, trauma or whatever it may be. And then once you come through that, then your gifts become more apparent. So to anybody who's, you know, thinking life just knocked me down or I can't do it. It's like, you're just in the difficult moment, mm -hmm. the arc of your personal heroic journey. And not to minimize that, there can be some very deep valleys in our personal journey, but those are really the places where we build the muscle and sometimes we find our deepest gifts in those moments. 
Um, and just a little footnote, there's a, a cool little documentary called Finding Joe about the hero's journey. And if you find yourself somebody who is struggling, that's a really good one to reframe where you're at. Having said all that, the way that I work with people is I read the birth chart as this beautiful map of cosmic potential that does tell you what your, your beautiful mission is. And the birth chart is sort of a map of the psyche. And the psyche was mistranslated. I'm Greek and psyche doesn't mean your mind and we're gonna analyze your mind. It means the soul, psyche, it is your soul, your soul's beautiful journey. Each of the planets is a different component of human personality. The sun is how you shine. It is your central purpose, your sense of I am. And in the new age movement, there's a lot of negative talk about the self, but you will not hear it from me. We need a self before we can even transcend the self. <laughs> and if you think about some of the great heroes of our time, whether it's Abe Lincoln or, you know, pick anyone you love, those people had a beautiful developed sense of self and they gave their unrepeatable gifts to the, the waiting world. And we would have been dreadfully, um, I don't know what the word is. We, we would have missed out in a huge way had they not. So the sun is how you shine. The moon is your soul, your mother, your feelings, your needs. We all need more emotional literacy. We don't even know that feelings always come with a need. I was in my 40s before I even knew this. I almost fell off the chair when, I, when someone at the NVC Center said, your feelings come with a need attached always. I, I'm half Greek. I thought feelings were just storms that possessed you. I'm in the same camp with you as the 40-year-old who's learning to, about her feelings. Yeah, in the 40s. And then, the, like, the need, even anger is a need, telling mm -hmm. you I felt disrespected or that need didn't get met. So learning about our moon, learning about our mother, our matrilineal heritage, that's in our chart. Mercury, we all think in different ways. We learn in different ways. So I look at the birth chart for all the clues and to give people the basics of what each planet is pointing them to. But then there is a gestalt that points people like this is a gifted artist or a gifted martial artist mm. or an executive intelligence, Saturn. I mean, part of the problem right now that we're all coming out of is Pluto and Capricorn. We're being confronted with the dark night of the soul on a collective governmental corporate level, and we're not out of the woods yet. In two days, we get this big transformational elevation when Pluto heads into Aquarius to give us the bird's eye view, maybe on some of what we've been dealing with in the basement of our existence. But we are getting ready to get on a new wavelength to really explore the authentic self, to find the authentic people, the, the soul tribe. Who are you vibing with? Who's on your wavelength? You know, who can, with whom can you let it all hang out and with whom can you get free and give your unrepeatable gifts to the waiting world. Because yeah. the age of Aquarius Ooh. is defined by that. Go ahead. What were you going to say, Tambra? No, and I just I, I just love it. And you know, the funniest thing is, this is not like a big deep thought, but when we are born, instead of our footprints on like, you know how they take your footprints yes. and like you go home with that? Like, why don't they just give the mother a birth chart? They should, that's such a good idea. That's such oh a good God. idea. 
I love it. Come on. Could you like, imagine like how different help us would out here. life? <laughs> yes, we would approach life so differently. It's just, so, I, you just said so many things that I, I have to like touch on a few of them. Um, mm. Because when you talked about that, some people might find or feel themselves in the lion's den mm. right now of their life. Um, so in this whole issue with Pluto and Pluto's getting ready to move out of Capricorn, we're, we're recording this on January 18th. So in two days that's happening. So on the 20th right. of, of January, and it is a big moment and it's something that's going to play out for the rest of the year. But um, when I first got into astrology, when I was first introduced to it, I was literally heading into the, like the lion's den, right. Yeah. Or the, the dragon's den. And I didn't know it. And so one of the things that I hear from my friends when they talk about talking to an astrologer, they are so scared that they're going to hear something that's that's they don't want to hear that's going to be hard or it's going to give them a bad health prognosis or, you know, there's going to be something horrible in the front. And I just want to say from my experience, and I would imagine from how you practice as well, that my astrologer could not have been more gentle and constructive with right. what was ahead of me. She could see it. And I look back now and I listen to my reading from then and it's like, oh, I can I can hear between the lines now of what she was saying because now I know I have more information. Um, but I you know she at one point she had said something like, you know, you're getting ready to go through this massive journey because I'm a Capricorn moon. Um, wow. And so she said, it's going to be like um, being pregnant and if you try to put on skinny jeans, like <laughs> that's not going to feel like it's not going to work a, and it's not going to feel good. And it could be like dangerous. Right. And so she was like, it's, it's best to like, go ahead and get the maternity jeans, like go with the energy, like really trust into it. And, and that helped me because then when hard things started happening, I was like, you know, cause it is no secret to our listeners that I, you know, I, I've gone through a divorce and I, I did go through a divorce during that time, which came somewhat out of the blue for me, but not really. It kind of goes back to that, like your whole feelings and identifying like, oh, actually I do have, wait, I have needs. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to need to recalibrate. Um, and doing that was scary and hard. And um, all of that was part of that, like Pluto transit for me. And so I just want to touch on that to say, um, for people who are scared about what their chart might say, it is still even so extremely liberating and helpful to help you through that process um, of, and how have you worked with, I guess that's my question. How have you worked with people that are going through difficult transits in their chart? Well, to know that you're in sort of the womb of transformation or the process of alchemy and that there will be an end to it is immediately helpful Mm -hmm. And to lean into it rather than to try to not to avoid it. Like you can't really avoid a Pluto transit because you're going through transformation. And that can look like uh, a snake shedding its skin. You know, you may have to shed a whole life yeah. or it could look like you having to go deep and do the transformational ancestral healing for your whole lineage. A lot of Plutonian mm -hmm. people really take on a family pattern and they say, okay, I'm the sturdy soul who came here to recover from this, mm -hmm. to set myself and others free. But just knowing that it's there and giving people some guidelines, you know, and even looking at the archetypes of transformation, it's not easy, but I'm Scorpio rising. I'm a Leo with Scorpio rising. Me too. 
So Scorpio rising calls you to the path of alchemy and transformation. And, you know, once you know that Scorpio and Pluto really describe this whole arc, and one thing to know, depth is height. You may not mm. want to go deep, but as deep as you go, that will precisely define how high you go. A mm -hmm. pendulum can only is defined by the swing in either direction. So we want to avoid the searing pain of loss and of having to change and having to give things up. And believe me, I go kicking and screaming half the time, but knowing, oh, this is happening and there will be an end to it is half of the battle. Yeah. And then empowering people so that they know, yeah, the first stage is the scorpion who turned out the light. The next stage is the eagle to fly above it and say, what do I want if my life is changing? Where do I get my power back? Who did I give it away to? How can I breathe it back? What are the techniques that are going to get me strong, standing in my own executive power? And the third stage is that phoenix rising from the ashes like this gorgeous bird uh, and those are the stories we love. We love the end point. We hate the messy middle. We're like, yes. you know? And also, how long does that messy middle go on for? It depends. That's where astrology comes in. You take a look. Like Pluto goes on for a little while because it moves so incredibly slowly. Like it came into Capricorn at 2008 when the markets crashed. Mm -hmm. It's going to leave finally in November, and then it will not be back for 246 odd years. That's how it's slow. written, Pluto. <laughs> he's going somewhere else he's that's what yeah. leave it us. <laughs> oh well, my he's God. going into aquarius he's going right. to transform humanity but he's different in each sign because right. capricorn is so structural that we've been forced to look at structural corruption and you know like all of the the money stuff the corporate stuff the power of the powerful people i mean it's it's really been a painful process and we're not quite out of the woods yet right. but aquarius is so elevated there is no higher frequency of thought in the whole zodiac so pluto there is sort of almost forcing us to elevate to get to higher ground mm -hmm. and i think it will be welcome i think we will be waking up i think we will be um this is a really good time to consciously seek elevating practices you know, we've done so much deepening. It's mm -hmm. like we've been to the bowels of the earth. Now it's time to get that beautiful eagle, the, the bird of freedom, mm -hmm. and look down on things and just be like, ah, you know, what, what can I discern from this higher vantage? Mm -hmm. How can I do my yoga, my gratitude, my affirmation, my hanging out with people who lift me up? How do I lift myself and others up? What are my gorgeous gifts? How do I give them to the world? So important because now we're entering the age of the authentic self. Yeah, let's talk never, about that. Yeah, forget about celebrities. You're the star. You are yeah. the star and not in some, you know, I want the golden statue. I mean, for some people it's appropriate. It's good to celebrate beautiful, you know, performance and achievement. But the Aquarian age is, I, and the gift of COVID was who were the stars in your life? I'll mm -hmm. tell you, you know, my local peep became increasingly important and I really saw that there is no substitute for community mm -hmm. that's Zero. right that's right yeah. one thing I think maybe if we just take a quick second to just explain to our listeners because I think it could get very easy to get confused especially since I just brought up the fact that I had the Pluto transit in my chart right because mm -hmm. I'm a Capricorn moon um is that we're kind of talking about two different 
things. So there's the personal, your personal natal chart and how these different transits and different placements of planets affect you personally Mm -hmm. in your personal journey. But then there's also the collective, because you were just talking about the age of Aquarius and that being a more collective experience. Right. So some people, the Capricorns among us have been going through either long, dark night of the soul and also big empowerment. A lot of Capricorns went through something, but came out typical to Capricorn on the top of the mountain. (laughs) I mean, this is the little sign of the intrepid goat that picks a sacred mountain and climbs it. But collectively, we've been going through this time of Pluto and Capricorn since 2008. Some people have been deeply affected by it. Capricorn, sun, moon, Venus, you know, planets. What about Virgo? Virgo, Virgo Leo rising. Virgo with Leo rising was actually getting a benefit from the Capricorn time. It was forming a trine. Um, and now the Leo people will be feeling the Aquarius uh, that I'm a Leo. It will be opposing us depending on the degrees. So it's really a beautiful time for collaboration with artistic creative mavericks and you know, that will be a really, to partner with the right groups, like group partnership, group collaboration, building communities, super important. And the Leos can be, you know, where the spotlight is, the ones who lead the charge. It can be a very beautiful placement. Um, Now that we're heading into Aquarius, we are all being called, even if you have a zero Aquarius in your chart, uh, you will have a house that is defined by Aquarius. There's no such thing as I have none of that. Like you may not have a planet in a particular sign, but that, um, like for example, I have no Capricorn in my chart. Actually I do, it's my South node. It's where I've been in a former life, but zero Taurus. But Taurus still defines my partnerships. So anything happening in Taurus is gonna have a big effect on who I partner with. Mm. Right now, the Aquarian call is for all of us. And especially because this is the sign of humanity. This is our sign. We, the people, you know, when, when the United States, our big contribution to this world is not going to be the opera. That will be Italy or the beautiful fresco. That will be Italy, the beautiful pastries. That'll be France. You know, the, the, um, you know, martial arts will be from the East what the United States will bequeath the world with are our founding documents. We have the moon in Aquarius in this country. All of our natal charts of the country and countries have signs as well. Give us, for the most part, I mean, at least three charts I can think of Aquarius moon. And our big gift to humanity will be the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights, all of which define humanity in this sacred, beautiful way as a collective that can accomplish together what we cannot do alone and yet protects us for solo performance as well. So now we're entering that time where we need to beautifully connect with like-minded people, recognize the sacredness of what it is to be a human being. Like in our in our system, mm. God is is invoked. God creates man, man, humanity. Man just means the hand in French, handed creature. Um, we are given these God-given rights. The Constitution doesn't give us our rights. The Creator does. It's a remarkable system, and it brings us again back to sacredness and collective endeavor. 
And how can we be free so that we can pursue our bliss, our gifts? You know, if you're oppressed, you can't write your novel, do your dance performance, have your yoga studio. So we're breaking free of what has bound us. Mm -hmm. And the worst chains are the internal ones. I'm right. not good enough. I'm this. Mm -hmm. All that negative. And some of that comes directly from advertising. You know, I'm too bad. I don't have, like in one day, you need the big boobs. Now we're doing small boobs. <laughs> you need the big butt. You Now you need this. I mean, it's maddening what is being done. Mm -hmm. And like, it's time to break all those spells and just be like, I am a sacred being sent here by the universe with my unrepeatable gifts to do what only I can do. And that's the same for every one of us. Right. And I think, you know, you touched on something really critical that, you know, people can look around and then just start to compare themselves with what they're seeing on social media or that latest marketing message, right? And, you know, that's a deal breaker in, in terms of your authentic self, right? Yeah. Um, and so for somebody listening, it's like, yeah, well, following my joy or bliss might mean you know, I need to just do a total overhaul here, which could be pretty daunting, right? Have you seen that in your own practice? I have. I mean, I feel that sometimes great loss brings people to their authentic self. Sometimes it's just dissatisfaction with the constant barrage of the social media. My biggest concern is for the young people with the social media. I think about that at least once a day. And I think ceremony is what I keep coming back to, yeah. um, that grownups um, need to lead the charge of creating some kind of very simple sacred ceremony for the young yeah. people where they can be authentic. Because otherwise, like if we don't lead them to themselves, you know, there are plenty of voices out there that even hypnotize us, you know, oh, I find myself, totally. like, you yeah. know, pray to it as well. And, uh, you know, could you I, give people an example of what you mean by that in terms of a ceremony that adults could lead young adults in? Sure. Um, because I've done them, like I've been hired to do sweet 16s and sometimes just to sit in a circle, like talking stick could be the mm -hmm. most basic thing you need. And I mean, these days, you have to be careful. Like if you're going to do this regularly, you might even need a background check or something, you know, if you're going to work with young people, but I think it's worth it. It's something I'm talking to a therapist friend about because there's such a crisis among young people. And I think it's real simple. Start with a very simple non-denominational blessing or prayer, pick a focus of maybe have a talking stick or something that you don't interrupt whoever's speaking, you can time it so that no monopolization of time. And then the, the facilitator can have people, they can talk if there's been a big loss in the community, what they want to say, mm -hmm. you know, if they've lost a friend or something traumatic happened, everybody gets to share, mm -hmm. or it could be very empowering, something they want to accomplish in this month or what they want to release one round, what they want to uh, commit to. But it gives, like, it's hard to be intimate without boundaries and structure. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're lost in the chit chat. And mm -hmm. even creating a sacred space for the young people, I have found that they really respond to it. 
And, um, you know, with the yoga studio, it might be a really beautiful thing to offer and even have the parents and the parents have no idea half the time what these poor kids are going through. Right. And they're struggling to make those kinds of connections with their own kids, right? Because everybody's always behind these screens. Um, just this morning over coffee, Dan and I were spending, my husband, um, just a few minutes catching up and he shared with me, which is why I want to share it um, with you, that he read that there's a, a boarding school in Massachusetts, I forget what it's called, but they um, banned um, cell phones during the day. Wow. And they give all the kids these kind of like flip flip phones um, in case they do need to contact someone or feel like they need obviously communication. Um, but in terms of like scrolling and screens and apps and all of that stuff, it's it's banned um, throughout the wow. day. And that the kids are really responding so well to it that someone actually made this decision, takes the pressure off, right? Um, and so I think a lot of that is what, you know, you're, you're talking about as well, which is, you know, the adults need to, to step in. Um, but it's not always so easy because we don't, we don't know how. <laughs> right. And we're not you being know? supported, you know, maybe the first Correct. thing is for us to create little ceremonies. I, I mean, every month I do a new moon and a full moon, but I used to do them in person. And now I want to also offer like the phone call, but, because people do like that, but mm -hmm. create sacred space again, where we can be together. And we would, you know, just give each other aho, you know, which is the Native American call and response when somebody would say, I'm giving this up, I want to release the whole room would just be like supporting them or I want to commit yeah. to this. We need it. We are tribal people, all mm -hmm. of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. All come yeah. from tribe. You go back far enough tribes of Europe, tribes of Africa, tribes of wherever, the Middle East. And tribal people had lots of beautiful ceremony. They yeah. celebrated the hunt. They celebrated birth. They celebrated death. They celebrated the ancestors. And, you know, we've been giving television and it is a poor substitute. What we want is intimacy and sacredness mm -hmm. because we are sacred beings mm -hmm. that's what astrology has taught me oh my god i'm a sacred being for real the the planets incarnate through each of my chakras i'm here to do what only demetra can do and celebrate what only tambra can do you know and each of us can do and mm -hmm. um that brings us back to it cures the spiritual amnesia <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is epidemic and I fall prey to it I'm not here to tell you yeah I have all my act together I mean <laughs> I, I fall asleep as well and I'm like wake up wake up yeah it's yeah. the human I experience think, yeah. right <laughs> it is and I, I love this I love that we're touching on the fact of of the importance of rites of passage you know, we're such a ritualistically rites of passage starved society in the west especially we just have abandoned it. And a lot of that went by the way of, of people pulling away from organized religion for, you know, valid reasons or for whatever reasons, you know, for, for it, it wasn't really serving them. I consider myself in that camp. Um, but I did grow up with a lot of rites of passage just from um, that standpoint. And I, you know, I made sure my kids grew up with that too, even though it was a, a faith tradition I didn't grow up in. My, I raised my kids Jewish. Um, but there is something to be said about that ritual of Friday night Shabbat, which we did when they were little, you know, we still do. And there was something to be said about that ritual of that bar and bat mitzvah at that particular age. Like 
there's a reason why these things existed. There's a reason why they were important. And there's a reason why religions put them into place. And um, mm -hmm. I really like the book for anybody who's looking to create their own rituals and their own rites of passage. I love this idea of creating your own ceremonies. There's a great book by Thomas More called A Religion of One's Own. And he really talks about that, about how you can adopt, you know, they're all sacred things, you know, these rites of passage, because as you keep saying, we're all sacred beings. No one owns the right to celebrate something um, or to market in a way that is meaningful for you and your family or your kid's group of friends. Um, and so I, I think it's it's important for us to all kind of realize that we, it's kind of on us to, yeah. to do that. It, it's, we're not relying, at least I'm not relying on organized religion to do that for me. And I think um, societally, that's kind of what we did. And so when that went away, a lot of that ritual went away. And so I just wanted yeah. to chime in with that. I think the Jewish community is really smart. I, I keep my mm -hmm. eye on who initiates the young people and the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah are worth I think it's good to keep in touch with one's roots to whatever mm -hmm. extent one can. And you can update things. You can be the branch that says, okay, I'm going to keep this and let go of that. But there are yeah. beautiful things that run through the DNA of each culture. And updating stuff is a great idea. There's a movie that I love that one of my clients directed, and it's called Kiana's Apache Ceremony. And it's this beautiful Moroccan filmmaker goes to the reservation and there's this beautiful young woman who is given her Apache ceremony. I wept like three times mm. thinking like how much was lost. Like now you have 16 year old girls just thrown to the wolves yeah. in the culture. And I'm like, to me, like, I guess my main calling with astrology, the overarching focus for me is the return to sacredness. Mm-hmm. You know, it would change everything and nothing. But if we approach things in a sacred manner, whatever they may be, immediately we are in kind of holy space. And it doesn't mean we have to be serious all the time, but like what would a sacred way of inviting a young woman into womanhood, what would that look like? Yeah. What is a sacred way of, of honoring birth and death and rights of, and the dark night of the soul? I mean, these poor people going through massive life transformation are also thrown completely on their own. There's no place that holds it that you can, yeah. you have to find it or create it. But that's part of the calling. What will we create? We have to create a culture that's worth living in that we want to be in every day, that we wake up and say, oh my goodness. Like for me, even today, the moon in Taurus, I'm, I dress for the moon. Like I'm like, where the floral, <laughs> you know, beautiful, fertile, earthy Taurus. It's a Venusian day. What beautiful, gorgeous, grounded activities. And then I'm in a relationship with the heavens and it makes the day sacred and beautiful. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. I love that. And it's also feeling so... Uh, I mean, I love that you dress for the moon. I mean, there's also that whole disconnection we have from nature. And I would I would argue that cosmology is part of nature. I mean, I, can you think of anything more magnificent for a divine creator to create? I mean, if 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 God or whatever you want to call it didn't create the stars and the heavens and like what did? I mean, there's it's so it's so completely <laughs> magical and and beautiful and incredible. Um and right. not man-made whatsoever. And so it's, oh. I love that kind of connection 
back to the cosmology and also to nature and just feeling in tune and in a rhythm there, there are there are rhythms that are built in and that's grandmother moon and the heavens give us every increment of time that we have the sun gives us the day the sun gives us the year the moon gives us the month the month is even named moon moon and month are the same word each day of the week is named for one of the planetary gods moon day is the monday Tuesday is uh, Mars Day, Mardi in other languages. Mm -hmm. Wednesday is Woden's Day, also called Mercoledi, Mercury's Day. Thursday is Thor's Day, named for the Norse Jupiter. Friday is Freya's Day, which is the Norse Venus, that is the Venerdi in the Romance languages. Saturday is clearly Saturn's Day, which is the day of inertia when the Jews celebrate do nothing. That is Saturn's Day. And then Sunday is the sun's day. But if you want one of the more breathtaking correspondences that brings woo-woo not only to earth, but to your womb, your entire menstrual cycle is aligned with the 29-day cycle of the moon. She's not copying us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're aligned with her. That's right. So it gives us this beautiful, like, oh my goodness, you know, I am a moon. When you and when you first get your, you know, first menstruation, that is literally when you become a potentially a mother. We don't even mark that in the proper way. So, right. you know, we're coming out of this time of denuded ceremony and the call is so beautiful like teeny little seeds can be planted as we head into this age of Aquarius that help us celebrate help mm -hmm. us gather and connect in beautiful sacred mindful ways and again it will be for each of us to authentically discern how we will go about connecting gathering celebrating bringing people together but Aquarius is very elevated and points us immediately to the heavens. It's ruled by Uranus, the planet literally that means the sky father. So I don't know, I'm excited. But, um, you know, birth pangs are not easy one age to another, but that's okay because many of us have become midwives through our own birthing process of the mm -hmm. dark. Medical. Now we can help others pull them out of one state and say, hey, push, push, you're almost there. Yeah. Or if you're in pain, we're keening with you. We're in mm -hmm. pain. You're not, your pain is not alone. Mm -hmm. In fact, nothing is alone. We, we can find a way to celebrate together, to grieve together. And I mean, there is a way in which, you know, each of us goes through our own uh, sorrows and joys in a solo way. But when we have the supportive community, almost anything is bearable. Yeah. You know, I just want to hop in here because as you're talking and, and the importance of community and, and coming back to just the sacredness of it all. Right. Um, and on the one hand, it's just so simple and beautiful. And I keep thinking about um, one of used to be my favorite place and, and you actually did a lot of work there. Um, ABC Carpet and Home in the city used to have this amazing Gorgeous. mezzanine. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I would go in there first, you know, you'd walk in on the first floor and it would just all spoke to me with, you know, the crystals and the magic. And then there was so much great programming from a beauty, wellness and spiritual um, spectrum that happened on that mezzanine. I mean, that's where I met Deepak Chopra. <laughs> right. right? And, you know, you were responsible for, um, you know, doing some amazing programming there. 
I did. I was on that stage a few times, and it was such an honor. It was so. It was a place of exquisite beauty. Just like and I miss it, and I guess that's that's what's like got my heart kind of just in a flutter right now because, like, what do we have that's like that that you can think of right now in New York City? Because you still live in New York, right? Um, Nothing like that. That was unique, but. Yeah. It's all to create something for those who can, even where you are with what you're doing, you can take pieces of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's so magical. And like, yeah. I also know that you've been at the Omega Institute and you've done stuff there, right? Not a ton. I did one event there. I did a lot at the Open Center. And, and the I Open did, Center, right. I was too open anymore. <laughs> oh my God, that was such a lot. It's now the closed center. It oh is no. <laughs> I mean, the circles I would do there had 80, 90 people. I it was know. massive and beautiful. And we would all be ahoing and alming together and supporting one another. But that's okay. Sometimes, like we're coming out of this almost scorched earth time. Like say yes. there's a forest fire, then the earth looks like it's ash, but that becomes very fertile at a certain point. Mm -hmm. We're not quite there yet, okay. but the seeds of longing point to a direction. I mean, who knows, Tambra, you might be somebody who's like, I can create some piece of ABC where I am now in Connecticut, you know, and how can you like, you know, one little ceremony, one beautiful little event at a time, you know, because loss points us to what we want, longing. Yeah. Desire first makes itself known as dissatisfaction. Mm-hmm. You know, like, where the hell is the place to go? <laughs> and it's like, maybe, you know, I'm supposed to create something. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to pressure you. Yeah. I'm getting like, full, I, I keep yeah. <laughs> so many times I'm getting chills in this conversation. And I, and, oh, and even honestly, like a, a little bit emotional because of what you're saying about the, um, the ripe timing of people planting the seeds of their own discontent to turn them to alchemize them in that soil in that fire into something that the world needs is um it feels really beautiful to me I don't know it's really hitting me in such a really profound way that that's I hope I pray that that's where we are uh as as a humanity and society we so desperately need it and I just I hope anyone who's listening to this and you've maybe had like a little, like you said, that little longing, I hope that you will hear this and realize that that is like, that's your piece. That's the thing you really need to explore. And someone like, you know, Demetria can help you with astrology and, and help you understand that little piece that you have to bring and, and really now's the time plant it in the soil, like get to it. Let's, it, it, it's not going to grow overnight. So don't get freaked out that your whole life's going to change immediately. But, um, I just, it's something really moving and beautiful about this conversation that's hitting me. Just wanted to uh -huh. share that. I feel the same. Yeah. So, um, maybe let's round out the conversation a little bit with kind of, so we're here January 18th, we're moving into February very soon, uh, post this big Pluto Capricorn cosmic event that's happening. You know, what should people like what 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 sort of guidance do you want to mm. give the collective right now with where we are um, with this eight year and this energy? Yeah, the eight year is beautiful and powerful. 
and um, you know, kind of points to the sun, to solar power, which is, you know, the opposite of the age of Aquarius. It's Leo, the sun, the sun, the sun. But what I would say is don't expect things to immediately transform. Even though for some people there might be like a very quick sudden, you know, shift on the 20th when Pluto heads into Aquarius, uh, some Capricorns might feel like the pressure is kind of leaving them a bit, although they're not done yet, not until we get through November. That's why I say this is a year of kind of pushing and birth pangs. What I would say is give some thought as to where you have seen a need for empowerment in your life over the past decade and beyond since 2008. Make a list of executive issues because Capricorn is the executive consciousness of the Zodiac. What do you mean by an executive issue? Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, having uh, agency in your life, business plan, responsibility, the ability to succeed in life. You are the CEO of your life. Whether you own a business or you don't own a business, you are the chief executive officer. You're the captain of your ship, but you are the executive consciousness. Having said that, with the amount of trauma that has been circulating, uh, that is what makes the frontal cortex, the seat of executive con uh, consciousness in the body right here, go way offline. So this is a beautiful time to sit and make a list of where do you feel empowered in terms of your goals, your finances, your success, your objectives, long-term goals, the structure of your life. Capricorn is the sign of structure. In the body, it's the bones and the teeth. In a building, it's the grid and the foundation. It is the, and another word for structure is literally support. Your bones support you. So ask yourself, how am I doing on this level of executive support and empowerment? When Pluto goes into Aquarius, it will be a time to get further empowering support from friends, from community, from liberation technology. We now have things like emotional freedom technique, the tapping. We have EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprogramming. We have Dick Schwartz, the IFS, internal family system. We have resetting your vagus nerve. We have all this stuff that can help restore your executive strength. And we have each other. You know, you don't have to heal alone. In fact, connecting with people who may be struggling with a similar issue can be one of the most healing things you do. Absolutely. So between now and November, I mean, September, you know, get the higher view, say, oh, I'm going to do this and this to get more empowered, to get more support. And I say the person with the most support wins. <laughs> That's the new contest. Never <laughs> mind, you know, with the you know, the person with the best abs or butt or all, that's all wonderful, you know, and there are signs that are really into fitness and nothing against it. But right now I would say the person with the most support, that's the winning hand. How can you, one little cup of coffee with a friend at a time, one little conversation, attending a group yoga or my candle is now making me cough. Uh -oh. <laughs> you know, how can you find support, create support? Support is now key with Pluto. Pluto is power in Aquarius, the sign of friendship, mm -hmm. sign of the group, 
the sign of humanity. We get our own sign, we the human being, and that sign is Aquarius. Mm. It is not one of the animal signs, more primitive states of consciousness. It's not Libra, a principle of balance. It's not even Virgo, who's really the goddess of you know wheat, corn. Aquarius is a human being. And human beings are defined, like this part made me tear. I can feel my eyes tearing up. Mm. We are defined by friendship. Mm. We are defined by group connection, community, each other. And now it's time to, and we're not good at it. We are you not know, good been at given it. Given <laughs> the chit chat and everything that we're fed on the airwaves is almost to alienate us in a yes. strange way. So we should be loving and kind to ourselves and say, okay, um, you know, this feels scary. Getting close to people feels vulnerable. Vulnerability is scary. But one little conversation at a time building the muscle of connection, it's connection that will save us, mm. and, um, you know, and will empower us. And it won't always go easily. You can be like, oh, that didn't really feel aligned. It's okay. Give yourself credit for trying and try again. You know, you'll find yeah. your, because what you're seeking is seeking you. Mm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. So I think mm. that's my thing for the, and also if there are um, goals you have that, and almost all of our goals will involve other people, you know, list those and then assemble your dream team, vision map it. Who would you love to collaborate with? I want you on my dream team. I would I love to be on your dream team. <laughs> I would love it. And I'm I was just putting on, it out there. <laughs> I'm signing up, you know? Yeah. So, well, at, to that point, can you remind everyone again if they want to work with you? Because of course, I'm sitting here going like, I'm booking a session as yeah, soon as we get the it's happening. Call. I'm like, why haven't I booked it already? Jeez. I know, right? Um, but sure. remind people again if they want to work with you. How um, is it? Just reading of charts? Like I've already had my natal chart, so someone that might be new for them, and you can do that. But if if they've already had, you know, if they're already 10 steps into astrology, what are some things that, that you can help people with? And you're well, your I work? do astro coaching, I can do, you know, if you want to look at what's going on month by month, I can do that. I read people's charts. That's the main thing I do to look at their uh, aspect, solar return charts, synastry charts, which is how charts are compatible. I do new moon and full moon teleseminars every month to a month. So that we look at what is this new, like the new moon, uh, you know, in Aquarius. I mean, we have not only is Pluto going into Aquarius, but he's going in the very day the sun is going in. That's auspicious. Like the light, the fire of heaven is putting a spotlight on Aquarius on the same day that Pluto is saying time to wake up people, time to transform, time to be empowered. So if you go to heaven to earth astrology.com, I, I do events, I speak at events, I work at parties, I lead ceremony, I read charts, uh, I write a daily column that tracks mostly the moon, who's my, my special favorite, Grandmother Moon, um, just to give people some spiritual nutrition every day, because the moon is the mood of the day and how we nurture yeah. ourselves in the day. Um, what else do I do? I, th well, I, I This is actually a very natural um, segue that I could just take for a moment if you guys don't mind but Demetra is going to be in our area she's coming to the soulful lounge um, yes 
on February 22nd. We just had to move some things around because she's also being joined by uh, Meredith Geller, who is a holistic nutritionist. And so we haven't even touched on that part of the topic, but just very briefly, um, Demetra, can you just pinpoint the Sacred Beauty Workshop and how nutritionally we're impacted by our, our sign and our birth chart as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Astrology is all encompassing. And one of the main things uh, is the embodiment aspect. So the entire zodiac we embody from our Aries head to our Pisces feet, every single center of the body is presided over by a sign and by a planet. And knowing the energetic needs of each of these centers can help us feed literally the and our physical bodies. I mean, it gets into even medical astrology, which I won't venture into because you do for that the too? reasons. No, but I, okay. I do I do it for myself, but I don't, you know, it's yeah. a tricky territory. Um, so Meredith, who's this amazing Virgo rising, brilliant nutritionist, and I put together a beautiful way. I'll be talking about how to feed the energy of each sign, and she'll be talking literally about uh, nutritional ideas uh, that you can adopt that will keep you beautiful, radiant, and healthy in the weeks to come. It's a beautiful way of literally bringing heaven to earth. And I love those numbers. I mean, it's a new date, two, two, two. Yes. I was going to say February. I was getting ready to say February 22nd, two, two, two. I am going to be there. I'm buying my ticket as soon as we hang up from this call. People join me. Join us, people. It is going to be fascinating. Oh, man, I can't wait. And lovely. And wear what you feel beautiful in because beauty is also a sacred concept. And I'm not talking only about like... I feel that beauty gets a bad name because we're given these specific things and then they switch it on us. And you know, <laughs> it's like a tyranny of beauty, but beauty is a sacred. I mean, the universe only creates beauty and beauty will immediately elevate you. If you mm-hmm. say, what is the most beautiful way I could respond right now? Immediate mm-hmm. mathematical elevation. And for a woman, when we feel beautiful, we're receptive. We are the principle of Venus. We are the embodiment of beauty. We have to own our own beauty and not let anyone else be a tyrant about that. Mm-hmm. But come and wear what you feel gorgeous in and let yourself shine and radiate the beauty of your soul, your body, your mind, your spirit. I mm-hmm. love that. I love that. I heard the definition for beauty once as it is the great mystery embodied on earth. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it could be in a plant, it could be in a painting, it could be, it's, it's however it's come to be material form on earth. That's, that's beauty. And it's the great mysteries. I love that you just took that moment to say, let's redefine beauty. I love that. It is. And beauty will restore you. I mean, immediate restoration when I've been sad or depressed or despondent. When my mother died, I just remember walking, I'm on 20th and 1st, there used to be the Gramercy florist, which has since closed. And I was like, oh, what's the point of anything? I was (laughs) in a total state of wah. (laughs) <laughs> and I walked it's hard by to imagine you like that but okay. oh I was I was I mean it was like this long drawn out <laughs> thing and I was like oh and I walked by the Gramercy florist and it was like the beginning of spring and they had in their window this huge vase of forsythia with a spotlight mm. and I just I was just transfixed and I was like life is worth living yeah <laughs> so beautiful so when in doubt, seek beauty and you'll see the fingerprint of divinity wherever you look. 
Yeah. Love that. What a great place to that, stop a, for today. I was just going Whoa. to say, yes. Demetra, thank you so much for joining us on Woo Woo in the Real World. So many little golden nuggets here and pearls of wisdom and gosh, documentary to watch and books to read. <laughs> This was this was a loaded episode. I loved every single sure. minute of it. I, mean, I opened I, up my notebook. I was taking yes. notes from here. Um, <laughs> so thank you so much, truly, for uh, your gifts and for sharing this time. I can't wait to host you at the Soulful Lounge on February twenty second. But yeah, go out and enjoy this time, people. Yes, indeed. Until next time. Thank you for having me, ladies. It was a joy. 